As we, as we start a, a new series today, I want to remind us where we've just been. For the past six to eight weeks, we have been walking through and looking at various ways that the Lord moves us from slavery and into freedom. Uh, Heather, you talked about human trafficking. That's close to the heart of God. He loves to take people from places of slavery like that and to set them free practically as well. We've seen how in the story of Exodus, from slavery with Pharaoh, the Israelites being moved into the promised land, given that, uh, and that being this great foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for the entire human race, to set us free, to set us free from, the, from slavery to sin and death itself. Uh, we, I mean, we were celebrating those glorious truths just this past weekend uh, for Easter Sunday. God making himself, himself making a way for his people to be in relationship with him. And now, Jesus, the way of salvation, is permanently open. Jesus, well, it's a door that will never and can never be shut. Amen? Jesus himself says, I'm the door. I'm alive. I can never be shut. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, believes in who he is and what he accomplished as the Son of God, can be set free from their sin and start a new life in the family of God. A brand new relationship with God himself. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Because of what Jesus accomplished... We've talked about this a number of times in the last number of weeks. The veil in the temple was torn in two. God communicated, the way to me is open. There's no longer a barrier of separation between God and humanity. The sin that's kept us apart, well, Jesus, Jesus has paid the price for your sin finally and forever. That's what God was communicating. And says, by the way, but... My son is also the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can actually pass through that barrier to me without first recognizing and receiving what Jesus has done for them. It's true. See, God loved us first so that you and I could have the capacity and the ability to truly love him and be in relationship with him. And when you look at Jesus, when you read about him in the New Testament, there's something that you can always trust. When you look at Jesus, you can see that Jesus' life reflects his Father's desires. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't do anything, Jesus said, without seeing my Father do it first. He and I are in lockstep. And when Jesus physically walked on the earth, he affirmed God's greatest commands. The first one was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might or your strength. The Lord is the one who's actually meant to be our first love. Above all other things, Kevin was praying about Jesus who satisfies us. He's the one who alone deserves all of our worship. 
But Jesus also affirmed the second command that had been given to Israel, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, Jesus said. These two commandments were actually the distillation, the the condensed summary of the Ten Commandments. It has two halves. There's five commandments and five commandments. There's a bridge kind of in the middle. But Jesus affirmed that not only, well, I should say this, the, the condensed version was simply love God and love others. So that's what Jesus was affirming in the New Testament. Jesus affirmed that not only do we need to keep faithfully working at developing our relationship with God, we also need to keep working on our relationship with other people, with the people who were here today, the people who are in our lives, wherever they may be. We're commanded to love both. That's our Heavenly Father's desire. But that's not all. Sorry, I felt I felt like an an info service. <laughs> For only seventeen ninety five, you too can. No, but that's not all. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot and celebrated the Passover with his disciples, um, he washed all of their feet. He knelt down. And he took a towel and he took a basin and water and began to clean the dirt and the grime off of his disciples' feet. That was a task for the lowest of the household servants. There were no socks. There were no paved roads at the time. There were no hiking boots. People walked around barefoot or in sandals. And after a long journey or a rainy day getting food at the market or whatever that looked like, you can imagine the state that someone's feet would actually be in when they came home. I just remind myself of what my Birkenstocks smell like you know, halfway through the summer. Right? They're, they're smelly, they're stinky, they're caked with mud and grime. But Jesus knelt down like a servant, humble, And he washed his disciples' feet. See, at first, Peter, the one who never seemed to have trouble speaking his mind, he objected. He was maybe even embarrassed and maybe even a little offended that his teacher, leader, the Messiah, would do such a thing for him. And once Peter understood that he actually needed to yield, that Jesus said, no, I, I need to do this, in true kind of impulsive, pendulum-swinging fashion, Pen- Peter says, well, then Lord, wash all of me. Right? And Jesus is like, okay, yeah, I appreciate your enthusiasm, Peter. But what I really want you all to see, guys, is as my disciples, if you want to truly follow me, serve others, Love others the way that I have just served you. So right after this object lesson on servanthood, Jesus actually points out and he publicly identifies Judas as the one who would betray him. The disciples didn't understand this, but Judas left the house at that time to go and sell out Jesus to the religious leaders of the day. 
But Jesus continues to share something life-changing with his disciples. It's actually interesting as a side note that the very command Jesus would give to his disciples next would actually silently speak against and actually hang in the air against the very thing that Judas had left to go and do. Let's read. You found in John 13, starting in verse 31. It'll come up on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, you can read there. When he, when Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, he's speaking to his disciples, Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The first few sentences, they speak about God being glorified. It's a bit of a tongue twister. But to help us understand, God has actually been working since the fall of creation, maybe even earlier, I guess in his heart, to bring about the glorious salvation of humanity. But at this moment in time, as Judas walks out the door... Jesus says, now, now the Son of Man is glorified. The final victorious process that would lead to the salvation of humanity had begun. It began right in that very moment. I mean, we know after the fact today that Jesus was saying, I will be leaving you. You can't follow me into the death that I will experience, but I have one thing left, one thing I want to share with you as my disciples before I head down this path that has been laid out before me since before the beginning of time. A new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And it's at this point that I need to connect us with and into what our sermon series is actually about. I gave this introduction because we need to understand the context. We need to understand the way that Jesus has set before us before we dive in. And our series is called Dealing with Fences. Dealing with Fences. It's all about how we deal with the barriers, the fences, to fruitful relationships with God, but mainly in our sermon series about the relationships we have with other people around us. And it makes sense after talking about the Exodus and how we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're free from sin and death, that we would actually transition into talking about how we're meant to live out our lives after being given such a glorious and precious gift. Although we've talked a bunch about entering into the promises of the Lord, like ancient Israel, you know, 
um, they needed to deal with the inhabitants of the land that God was giving to them. For us today, we're not talking about a physical land. We're talking about a spiritual ground, a place of the heart. And we have an enemy who's actually intent on putting up barriers and breaking down relationships to hinder us from actually living in the promises that God's given to us. And we need to work at defeating the giants in the land so that we can live in the life that God has actually promised to us and he's given to us. And we need his help to do that. So this week, I have the privilege of setting the stage for us so that we understand what actually anchors us in Christ together as we deal with our fences. Next week, Dave Perry is actually going to be speaking. Yay. Um, he's going to be focusing on one, on one of the, the fences or the barriers that we have that's known as our own sinful habits, actions, and attitudes that actually keep us from our relationship with God and others. And the way that we actually tend to blame other people for our issues rather than looking at our own stuff. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> Dave is going to do an amazing job. You won't want to miss it. But we first need to understand that what I've been saying about God's command for us to love him and to love each other, we have to understand this. Understanding God's pattern for living and loving provides us this way to understand how we can have a fruitful and wide open place for living life. So that we're not all fenced in with all these barriers and things like that that, that keep us restricted or closed off from each other and even God himself. So let's come back to this thing of this new command that Jesus gave his disciples and to us here today. Love one another just as I have loved you. I had to ask myself this question. What's new about this command? Loving each other wasn't a new command to the disciples. They already knew they were supposed to love their neighbor. Leviticus 19, 18, hundreds of years before them, God said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The newness of what God, or what Jesus said, didn't cancel that out. The new thing was, is you need to love people the way I've just shown you. The way I've loved you. And as one commentator put it, this, the first thing of this command is new because it's a command actually to live out, to live out the love of Jesus. And second, the newness of it is it's a command to actually live on and actually be sustained by the love of Jesus. These words, just as I have loved you, they actually contain a pattern, a way of doing things for our love for one another. They contain the power for our love for each other. You see, that night with his disciples, Jesus demonstrated, he practically demonstrated as he washed their feet. It was an act of love. It was an act of servanthood. He showed them how, the pattern, he showed them how he wanted them to love and to serve each other. And a short time later, Jesus would give them the ultimate example of the way that he loves us by laying down his life on a cross. 
What's new is that Jesus himself is now the pattern we live by and the power that we live on. That's the truth. I'll say it one more time. What's new is that Jesus himself is now the pattern that we live by and the power that we live on. When we are facing a broken marriage, a strained relationship, maybe between a son or a daughter, or a broken aspect of our relationship with a friend, we live around people that make us feel uncomfortable. We have people in our lives that are hard to love. Jesus gives us a way through. He shows us. He says, pattern your life and your actions after my example. I've given you the Holy Spirit to fill you with the things that you need, with the grace, the power, the ability to live the way I've shown you. You don't have to do this on your own. In fact, you can't do it on your own. You need me, is what Jesus is saying. Now, I realize, especially as a pastor, that relationships are complicated. They're complicated things, and we will get into that in the coming weeks. However, when two people are struggling with each other, and they are both followers of Christ, Jesus has commanded us to love one another the way that he loved us. I can state it even stronger. In fact, we must act this way if we're to be considered followers of Christ. We've been commanded by the Lord himself to live this way. And Jesus said at the end of our passage this morning, he said, by this, in the way that you love people, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Even when the other person isn't a follower of Jesus, we don't have an option. (laughs) We've been called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And doing these things is a practical sign of doing the very first commandment. Loving God. This is on his heart. This is the way he wants us to be. This is the way he wants us to operate. The very hallmark, if you don't know what a hallmark is, not a hallmark card. (laughs) A hallmark is is that, that stamp. If you turn over a piece of silver or you look on the inside of a real genuine piece of gold, it has a stamp in it. It's called a hallmark. It shows the genuineness of that thing. And and for us, for us, that hallmark is love. It shows the genuine article is living in us. The outward sign that actually evidences our, our inward commitment to Jesus, to the world. Uh, it's to use another analogy, it's the team uniform. <laughs> It's the team uniform we wear that distinguishes us from the other people that are around us. The thing that distinguishes us is Christ-like love that we have and we can express to our fellow disciples and the people who we live with. That's what's new. That's what Jesus said. So how do we do it? And for that, We actually have to keep looking at Jesus. How did Jesus live this way? Aaron, Jesus was God incarnate. I think he had a little advantage over us and the disciples. Perhaps. I'll give you that. 
But I think sometimes we have a mixed up view of how Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. You know, I'll grant you, it, it's, it's a, it is confusing in a sense. It's not an easy thing to get your head around. But people have often had this mistaken view that Jesus was kind of like Clark Kent. You know, the, the, the daily reporter of the Planet newspaper. You know, who really underneath at a moment's notice could rip open his shirt and you would see the red and gold insignia of Superman. It was really Superman underneath that, right? Not Clark Kent. And he would save the day at a moment's notice, right? That's not the case with Jesus. Throughout his earthly ministry, while he was fully God and fully man at the same time, we see the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who actually divested himself and laid aside the glory of heaven to come to earth and actually be totally dependent on his heavenly Father. Barney Coombs, one of the... the fathers of, of our family of churches. I think maybe even, I think it might have come from Bob Mumford, but they said, all the miracles Jesus did, he actually never did. It was the power of God at work through him. It was his heavenly father by his spirit working through the man Jesus. This is the key to how Jesus loved. He chose to set aside all of his glorious power that was his to become a human being like you and I so that he could show us the pattern, the path, the way to live. To live life the way that he did, fully, wholly dependent on his Father in heaven. How do we live this way? Well, a few chapters later in the book of John, Jesus reinforces this with his disciples, actually. And perhaps you'll hear it in a different way based on what I've been unpacking this morning. So if you can humor me, it's not going to come up on the screen, but if you can close your eyes and just focus on what Jesus is saying, just humor me. In John 15, starting in verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full and complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
And greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You can open your eyes. Do you see the connection from the Passover meal to this other meeting with the people that he was teaching? He's saying, I connect with my Heavenly Father. You need to connect into me. Walter, I'm going to pick on you. Can you come up here for a second? I was thinking, who's the most person here who most looks like Jesus at the moment? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and can I get just like two more, two or three more people that can just pop up here? Just, just, yeah, Ross, come on up. And anybody else? You don't need to do much. No, no need to do much. Come on up, Marina. Yeah, Amber, great, sure, beautiful. That's all I need. That's good. So you guys can just come, maybe stand up here on the stage. <laughs> so. Jesus is not Walter. Walter is not Jesus, but Jesus resides in Walter by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now, if we imagine Walter to be Jesus, I just want you to just, rather than this being a, a sermon where you go, yep, 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 I just want you to see it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected to me. If you disconnect from me, you will wither and die. Stay connected to me. If you stay connected to me, your love can actually flow to somebody else. But if you're disconnected, they won't get that true, eternal, lasting investment of the love that I've given Stay connected, and you will bear much fruit. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. So how will you have the capacity to love like Jesus? By staying connected. By staying connected to him like the branch stays connected to that main vine. His love can flow through you. And it gives you divine power to bear fruit in everything that you do, especially in the way that you love people. So how do you give and receive love? It's a good question for each of us here this morning. Are you doing it on your own? Are you loving, even in an imperfect way, with an eternal God's love actually working through you to other people? Are you connected to the vine in a way that that love flows? Again, I want to say, I know relationships can be complicated. When a marriage is in crisis and there is no hope for resuscitation, or removing the big fence, the big wall that is built up between a husband and a wife. Do you know what will give them a fighting chance? It's Jesus. No matter how far apart those two people are, if they each individually make this choice to stay connected to Jesus and receive his power to truly love, 
to love themselves, to love the people that are around them, never mind their spouse, their partner. But the Holy Spirit will actually work to bring those two people closer and closer together as they get closer and closer to him. It's the way it works. And there are people here today, I know who are sitting here, who can testify to that truth. It may take a long time to repair the damage that's been done. But as we each, as disciples of Christ, make the choice to stay connected to him, Jesus will work a miracle. I've seen it happen. You know what happens when we love this way? People around us take notice. They sit up and recognize this isn't the norm. Jesus knew it. And that's why he said that when we choose to love one another, like he showed us, people around us will notice. He says, by this, the way we love people, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, my kind of love for one another. Our testimony before the world actually glorifies God. It points back to that very reason that we can love people in the first place. That Jesus has made a way. And we're following after him. See, our main problem isn't that we don't love like we should. Only Jesus can do that perfectly. Our main problem is actually our ongoing Unrepentant, sinful choices that place barriers and fences between us and other people and distance us from our Heavenly Father. I mean, if you're here today and you've never followed Jesus before, you're exploring that, I want to tell you that our human problem is mainly that because of our sin, doing life our own way, that the Bible says God's wrath remains on us and there is a barrier, a line, a fence, a wall, a chasm between us and God that we can never cross on our own. We can never be good enough, smart enough, bright enough, whatever, to be able to get across that thing. But how is it removed? Why does God actually cease and stop to be angry with us instead of and, and, and he actually starts instead pouring love into our lives through Jesus to, and to empower us to love? The answer is John fifteen thirteen that I read, that Jesus laid down his life for his friends. Jesus died in our place. Jesus actually is the one who endured the wrath of God on our behalf against what we deserved so that God's justice could actually be satisfied and his love could flow without any barrier, unhindered through Jesus Christ to us and to each other. The commandment to love one another is new because now Jesus is the pattern of that love and the power of that love. It's a person that helps us to love. And he can be both of those things in a miraculous way in each of our lives if we allow him to. Even though we still sin and mess up, Jesus has made a way for us to be reconnected with our Heavenly Father. No more fence, no more barrier. He laid down his life for us. And because he loved us, we can love each other. It's true. You're very excited. 
no matter what kind of fence we set up in our life. Fences that have sprung up due to hurt and betrayal and rejection or even blaming other people for and not owning what we need to own. As we walk out a life of faith and trust and obedience coupled with repentance and confession with Jesus, we stay connected to the vine with Jesus so that we can freely love and we can freely grow. Those giants that are in the land trying to keep us from laying hold of the promises of God, they can be slain. The fences that they try to create, the tall ones, they can be torn down. And it's a promise in Christ Jesus we will bear much fruit. So I've set the stage today. Over the coming weeks, let's refresh ourselves in what it means to love God, to love our neighbor, to love each other, and that we would deal with our fences, the things that get in the way of those relationships. Because we all have them. I have them. I need to deal with them. And as preachers, as a team, we'll be looking for biblical and practical ways to encourage us as a body to grow in these things. We'll keep looking to Jesus to say, Jesus, we want to follow after you. What's the path? What's the way that you showed us so that we can welcome and receive his power to truly love him and each other? I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love for us. We've been singing about it already this morning. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know your love yet, Lord, would you draw them? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you help them to call on your name to realize who you are and what you've done for them and to say yes to you? Because, Lord, you will wash away every wrong thing, you will help them to start brand new. You will love on them and you will grow them and you will never leave them or forsake them or leave them behind. Lord, help them to open themselves up to that relationship with you. Lord, for those of us who've been walking with you as your disciples, teach us to love. Thank you over the last few months that you have been speaking to us about how we love one another and how much you love us. Would you go on teaching us? Would you go on showing us how to uproot the things that would keep us and act as barriers to our relationship with you and other people? Lord, would you find us a trusting people, a trusting people in Christ, a people who see you and your word and the pattern that you've laid out for us, and be obedient to follow after it. Because Jesus, we want to be seen as your disciples. Ones who love you and follow after you. Lord, help us to follow after your pattern and be filled with your power. We love you and we thank you for everything that has been in your word today. Lord, would you sow it deep into our hearts as an anchor for what we walk into next. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.